Alright guys, welcome to Creepers Cryptid and Paranormal Corner. This episode, I've actually been umming and ahhing about doing it, but I thought after the last week being NADOC Day in Australia, I thought I wouldn't do a podcast on any cryptids or paranormal this week. I'd actually have a look into the Indigenous tribe my family comes from and the tragic incident which actually affected so many people over the years and, and it still does to this day. Our Indigenous side of the family actually traces back to an Indigenous lady by the name of Girabunga or Nanny Barrett as she was named by the Europeans that actually ended up owning the land that she grew up on and ended up living on for the rest of her life. She was actually one of the only people that survived the Afghan massacres of 1816. Now I'll get into the massacre a little bit later, but as I was saying, Girabunga was one of the only few that actually survived the massacre. She was only a little girl. And she's actually taken to the Parramatta Native Institution uh, in Sydney until her father came to collect her and they went back to the area that she lived on uh, before the massacre. Now, European records say that she was actually born in 1814 and the massacres actually happened in 1816. But there's a couple of conflicting reports because some people say that she was eight or nine when the massacres happened. Others say she was only two or three. Like, it's really hard because if you're only going on the European records and it puts it all out of whack. So no one actually knows when she was actually born, which really is one way it shows how much knowledge was actually lost after this massacre occurred. Yurubunga only first appeared on the European historical records in 1927 by the name of Nanny after visiting the corridor post where Aborigines could receive blankets and clothing, which is just crazy too considering she got taken away from this massacre, put into an institution for Aboriginal kids and stuff, but she only officially went on the record of being alive or existing in 1827. Girabunga went on to be the common law wife of an ex-convict by the name of Richard Barrett, who was actually assigned to the John MacArthur estate in Camden, where he'd actually eventually secured his release. Girabunga and Mr Barrett went on to have five children, Susan, Richard, Margaret, Mary and James, who were all born and raised on Camden Park. Some records show that Girabunga passed away in 1870, but like most of the indigenous records back then, uh, they aren't really kept very well and yeah, so we don't really know. It's said that Girabunga, Richard Barrett and their five children were all buried at the St John's Church Cemetery uh, in unmarked plots provided by the MacArthur family. Girabunga and her family all belong to the Kibitz Barter clan, which is part of the Darawal tribe. The land of the Darawal people, or the Tharawal people that were named by the white people, it actually stretches from Botany Bay to just below Nowra. So it's a massive area. For people overseas, it's basically the uh, whole, it'd be the size of the whole of Sydney Basin. Darawal was the name of the language spoken by the clans or the mobs that belong in this area. So the Kibitz Barter clan that my family belonged to stretches from Camden all the way out to Ludnam and pretty much all the way back to Appen as well. Uh, it's a pretty big area. I can't find the official translation of the name of it, but it roughly translates to river banks of white clay. It's so hard to find any information on our family or anyone else for that matter. It's taken my grandmother so long to find any information, and even still we know very little, and this all stems back to how much more than just lives that were lost in this Appen massacre. So many generations of people and knowledge were lost. So many lives, so many stories of the Darawal people were lost. Um, recently I've actually heard that more clans were involved in this massacre. So it wasn't just the Darawal people and the tribes that were in this area. It was actually other 
major areas too were actually involved. So so many people's lives were affected by this massacre. The government actually it only estimates that fourteen lives were lost, and that's a lot of shit. There was a heap more, but we'll get into the um, report on the Appen massacre, and then we'll talk a bit more about it after that. Now, before I get into the massacre, it could get pretty controversial, and it may trigger, it may be a trigger for some people. So I'm sorry, but I think I sh- it should be something that we speak about more often. Uh, and the fact that numbers of casualties were so grossly underestimated is just wrong in so many ways. This event wiped out so many family lines. Surely a few of the smaller clans might have been completely wiped out. So much knowledge, so many stories and so many people's lives lost. It's just plain wrong to not actually report what really went on. I really hope I don't upset or offend anyone by getting into this. I just can't believe how so, so evil people can be. And to do what they did with no consequences because it was the English doing it to the indigenous people, it's just pathetic. But if it was the other way around, they'd be still screaming it from the tops of the buildings to this day. And just to make it worse, it wasn't just the Dharawal people that died that night, but indigenous people from all over New South Wales had actually come to have a big meeting to work out what was going on between the indigenous and the white people. So many tribes, so many families were affected and really still are affected to this day. So now we'll have a look at the Appen Massacre. Around 1am on the 17th of April, 1816, 14 Darrowald tribal members were killed when Captain James Wallace and the 46th Regiment came across a camp set up in Appen, New South Wales, along the cliffs of the Cataract River. Captain James Wallace, accompanied by the 46th Regiment, were carrying out orders given out by Governor Macquarie to take any Indigenous people in the area as prisoners until they found the Indigenous people responsible for the recent attacks on local farms. It's said the Darawal people all were always peaceful and innocent. Even when farmers came along, cleared the land that they lived on, started fencing off their properties, which actually caused a lot of issues for the Darawal people. With a lot of the areas they foraged for food or they hunted in were actually ruined from this. Like a lot of the animals either couldn't, they weren't in the area anymore because it had been fenced off or they'd moved on to peace, more peaceful areas. But still, the Darawal people still were at peace with the Europeans. The Darawal people were even known to help Europeans explore into neighbouring areas. They had a lot of support from the Europeans, but when people, different tribes from up the mountains come down to raid and pillage from the local farms, most of the settlers couldn't actually tell the difference between the indigenous tribes and a lot of the stuff that went on was just blamed on the Darawal people. Which just actually caused a few hostile situations over the years leading up to the Appen Massacre. In 1814, a Darawal lady and her children were murdered by Europeans. Governor Macquarie actually came out and released an order for no one to harm the natives at all. If anyone was found to be treating them inhumanely, cruel, or harming them in any way, they would be punished. When more men came down from the mountain tribes in 1816 during a drought looking for food. Farms began to be raided, animals were taken, crops were taken, stuff was set on fire. This all resulted in in clashes between the European farmers and indigenous people. At one stage a farm was raided, a few indigenous people were actually killed, which resulted in the indigenous people coming back for a few days later and killing a farmhand. When the farmers chased the natives off the land into the bush, the farmers were actually ambushed by more indigenous people that were waiting for them. This resulted in more Europeans being killed and all the local farms started keeping watch every night. So pretty much they had security guards armed with muskets and any other weapon they could to keep the indigenous people off the land. And as I said, they couldn't distinguish between the Darawal people that were peaceful and the tribes 
from up in the mountains. Governor Macquarie decided to order expeditions into the local areas looking for these hostile natives. Captain Shaw led expeditions along the Nepean, Gross and Hawkesbury River areas looking for the hostiles. Captain Wallace had the same orders but the search from the Liverpool to the Airds areas not, and that's not far from Appen. Captain Wallace had a guide by the name of John Warby. He'd been on plenty of expeditions all over the Darawal people's land and had a great relationship with them. Now he also had two Darawal men by his side as guides. Now Governor Macquarie released a list of indigenous people's names and gave the captains orders to arrest any indigenous people they came across and if they resisted uh, the order was to kill them and hang them up from trees in significant spots around the area of the Darawal people just as a warning uh, just to let them know that they better comply or there's going to be trouble. Now after having enough of what was going on, the two Durrawal men that were there as guides actually snuck off during the night. Uh, never to be seen again, they didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Now on April 13, 1816, John Warby disappeared during the night. He reappeared early one morning. Uh, people have said that he'd snuck off into the, into the neighbouring areas to, to warn some of the nearby tribe. Now over the next couple of days, Captain Wallace got sent on a few wild goose chases all over the area. At one stage he got a tip off that there was a group of indigenous people seen camped along the banks of the Georges River. Once he got to the area there was no sign anyone had been there at all. Now, this infuriated Captain Wallace and on the evening of April 16 he was tipped off there was a tribe camped at the Barrington Farm uh, not too far from Appen. Captain Wallace and the 46th Regiment arrived just after 1am on the 17th of April. To an empty campfire, fire was still burning and one of them actually off in the distance heard the cry of a child, which caused Captain Wallace to order everyone into formation and they headed into the thick bushland towards the indigenous people. They were actually, the indigenous people were alerted by the troops coming through the thick bush and it's said that in a panic a lot of the indigenous people fell over the 60 metre cliffs of the cataract into the cataract river uh, trying to escape in the dark. Then it's also said that Captain Wallace in his journal has actually said that a few were shot in the process of coming through the bush and that some had also fallen to their deaths over the cliffs. 14 bodies were reported to be found in the area, be it gunshots or falling from the cliffs. But as it's stated in the journal, it is actually unknown how many Indigenous people had actually fallen to their deaths off the cliffs. Of the 14 Indigenous people that had died, this included men, women, children and the elderly. As I said, only a handful actually survived this massacre, one being Girabunga, and she got, then she got shipped off to the Parramatta Native Institution. Now this is what was reported by the captain in the newspapers. You have to remember a lot of the indigenous people that were involved were actually killed, so nothing was really said about it. Honestly, anyone can see a lot more than 14 people that actually died. Who knows how much history was lost that night, how many stories, traditions, how many families ended up in the same situation as my family with not knowing anything about their ancestors. The sad and worrying part is the fact that it was a hell of a lot more people than first thought. There was plenty of rumours over the years, a lot of stories from the indigenous people around this area and even stories that come from settlers' families that a lot more went on this night. I've heard from people I know and trust that this was an attack on the indigenous people. It was actually planned precisely for this night, not only just on the Darawal people, but all the tribes that actually turned up to meet and talk about the European people taking their land and killing their people. It was said that at least five large tribes had actually turned up, and I'm not actually just talking about the little different tribes and mobs that were in the Darawal region, this was five regional tribes, so the large tribes actually turned up. 
I'm talking about people from the Dharawal people that lived here, the Durag people, the Gundagara people, the Windjari people, the Uni people, and the Yora. All of these tribes sent elders to this Broughton farm, like, that night, and it was said that one of the biggest meetings to ever happen between the tribes since the Europeans first landed. It was said that the raid was to wipe them all out. It actually is actually known that hundreds of lives were lost this night. Some even saying in excess of 500 men, women, children and elderly were murdered in cold blood. These people weren't armed. They weren't ready to be attacked. Um, they were meeting and trying to find a way to stop all the crap that was going on between the Europeans and the indigenous people and actually trying to find a peaceful way around it all. No truth will ever be said about this night. Um, but it's alright, they put a plaque out at Cataract Dam to say sorry for the 14 lives that were lost that night. No one will ever come forward and tell the truth. What's really upsetting is the fact that so much more was lost than just the lives. Like I was saying before, we have no info on our family or ancestors. It's actually, it's, it's hopeless, you can't find anything anywhere about it. It was bad enough that 14 lives were apparently lost. But when you think there's anything more than that, it's just evil. Now this bit's pretty sad. It's actually said that Captain Wallace and the 46th Regiment, when they went into formation and they started to push through the thick bush, if any of the indigenous people didn't retreat, like backwards towards the cliffs, they were actually shot dead on the spot. And then the, then the captain and the 46th Regiment kept pushing through and pushing through the bush. Same thing. As soon as someone would stop and wouldn't retreat, they'd keep shooting them until they had them all cornered on the cliffs. And it got to the point that if they didn't jump the jump off the cliffs and kill themselves, they were either shot or actually physically forced off the cliffs to their deaths. Now this is a well thought out plan and it was executed extremely well. Um, it was just to wipe out as many indigenous people as they could. The fact that they waited for a meeting between all these tribes just shows that they were hoping for mass casualties. You have to remember this place was out of the way. It was a perfect place, like it'd be way too hard to find out how many lives were really lost over these cliffs, how many people were shot up the top, indigenous people were shot in the bush and then thrown over the cliffs after it, like there's no way to get down 60 meter cliffs back then to find out how many bodies were actually down there. It was a perfect way, a perfect place to sweep it under the carpet and it was just a perfect way to make it a lot easier for the Europeans to expand through the regions without too much pushback from the indigenous tribes. Well, I'm going to leave it there, guys. Um, I'm not going to say I hope you've enjoyed the episode because it was pretty tragic. But the last week was NADOC week. Uh, nothing can change the events of April 17, 1816. Nothing can bring back the lives that were lost, the stories, the history, the traditions. But over the, over the last week, it was really good to see how many people got out there and supported NADOC Week and got to all the events to show their support to the traditional people of this land and their ancestors. It was really good. Like Me and my sister had joined up to the local land council, which hopefully one day we might find out some more information about our family, that our ancestors that we has been lost over the years. So it's really interesting and really exciting, and it's good to be able to help our people out. And... Um, yeah, but it's, it was really good to see how many people got out to NADOC week events and it's really encouraging that people actually still care about the original owners of this land. Now just before I go, uh, just quickly, if you've enjoyed the episode, you've been enjoying my previous episodes, you're liking the videos I've been putting together and that, I really appreciate if you could like the video and share it around to your friends. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could subscribe to the channel. I'm going to be picking it up a bit more over the next couple of weeks. 
I'll start doing interviews and start bringing them out. And now the weather's starting to get a bit better. I've got a few places I've shown on here that I'm going to be researching a bit more, uh, getting a few more few more toys over the next couple of weeks to help with my investigation of these areas. So hopefully I get the chance and I'll be able to pump up this channel a bit more over the coming months. But anyway, guys, until next time, keep safe out there. Cheers. Cheers.